Lord, we do thank you that we could come together tonight and just look at this lesson on just parenting, God, and what you call us to do as parents, grandparents, Lord, what's more important to you. Lord, I pray that we would learn from the mistakes of the Mac tonight. Lord, and that you would impart to each one that is here or that would be listening on Podbean what they need. Lord, only you know what that is better than me. I pray as your word goes forth, your Holy Spirit would do the work that you're wanting to do in each and every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are in Genesis 4, verse 17 through 21 tonight. And because some of the names are difficult to pronounce, I'm going to spare you from reading out loud. (laughs) But hopefully you did read that portion of scripture because I am going to touch on some things that are here. And I know it's been two weeks, two, maybe three weeks since we had our last class. But the last class we had, we saw that Cain was driven out of Nod, right? Because of his sin, he killed his brother. And what we see in this portion of scripture from verse 17 through 26, that Cain had a son named Enoch, and that Enoch had built a city, and it was the first urban civilization that was built since the fall. So in the second half of this chapter, there's two family lines we're going to see. Cain's family line, like the ancestry, I guess it's like ancestry dot, what they do now, you look up your history of the ancestors, we're gonna look at Cain, and then we're gonna look at Seth. And from Cain's line, we're gonna see an ungodly group of people. And from Seth's line, we're going to see a godly group of people because from Seth's line, and we'll look at that next week, comes Enoch, who walked with God, and Noah. So tonight, I want to look at Lamech because Lamech, in verse 19 here in chapter 4, tells us that he had two wives. Anyone here want to say why? <laughs> Don't you think one wife is enough? Why two? Why did he have two? He was the first polygamist identified in the Bible. And Jameson Fawcett Brown, this commentary that if you're looking for good commentaries, this is one I would recommend. He said, this is the first transgression of the law of marriage on record and the practice of polygamy, which means he has two wives, like all other breaches of God's institutions, has been a fruitful source of corruption and misery. Because if we remember from Genesis 2, verse 24 and 25, right? Man was between, uh, marriage was between one biological man and one biological woman, right? And God was the one that brought them together. And here we now see that some of these people we're going to be reading about and learning about their lives practice polygamy. They were trying to be fruitful and multiply <laughs> quickly. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, quickly. But think about the example Lamech 
is to his children because not only did he have two wives, but in verse 23, it says, for I've killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. So he committed two murders too. So he had two wives, he committed two murders, and it was a man and a boy. What kind of impression do you think that left on his children? I mean, this is the example he was to his children. When we look at who his children were, now remember, he had these kids from two, two different wives. Jabal was the father of the Bedouins who lived in tents, and he was also a cattle rancher. Jabal, he was the inventor of music, and Tubal Cain forged all kinds of tools and bronze of, of iron, meaning he was the first blacksmith who helped to make weapons which can kill more effectively for war, hunting, or husbandry. This is another good commentary. If you are looking for really good commentaries to go through the Bible with, Matthew Henry. This is where the teaching comes from tonight because when I read this commentary, I was just like, wow. Worldly things are the only things that carnal, wicked people set their hearts upon and are most clever and industrious about. So it was with this race of Cain. Here was a father of shepherds, a father of musicians, but not a father of the faithful. Here is one to teach about brass and iron, but none to teach the good knowledge of the Lord. Here are devices how to be rich and how to be mighty and how to be merry, but nothing of God of his fear and service. That's powerful. That's his commentary on this portion of scripture. And when I was reading that and praying over it, I just sensed the Lord saying, what's more important as a parent, even as a grandparent? I mean, think about it. Lamech's children were successful in the eyes of the world. And to this day, they invented these things and we still have it in our world today. But where's their souls right now? You know, because reality is the more we read on, we're going to see there was a global shaking coming, a global flooding coming. But how many people were really ready for that? What was coming? The shaking that was coming. I never forget when I go to, I think it's at the Creation Museum. There's a portion there where if they show a video of what it was like at that time. And there's a, a woman and her son sitting at the table. And outside the window, you see the waters gathering and getting higher and higher and coming and coming and coming. And the mother and the child are sitting there doing whatever they were doing, whatever lesson they were doing there. But meanwhile, this flood was coming and they were totally unaware. And you're watching it and it just hit. I, every, I'm affected by it every time I see that when I go there. It's like they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. It was right there, but they weren't ready. You know, and every time I see it, then all of a sudden you see, you know, the water's come, but it's too late. It's too late. So 
It just made me think about Hebrews 12, verse 27 through 29, where Paul had wrote, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. So what we know of in our present day, we started feeling the effects of a shaking in 2019. And that shaking keeps happening 2020, 2021, 2022, and you can guarantee 2023, it'll be even greater. And are we ready? You know, are we preparing that next generation for what's coming? That's what struck me as I was studying through this, that next generation, are they really being prepared for what's coming? And that's why I'm so grateful for the young girls that come because they're hearing truth here. They are here in truth, and God is preparing you. He is preparing you. Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. He was the wealthiest man on planet Earth, and he, everything his eyes desired, he went for, he attained. And yet, he said it was all meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You can't grab it with your hand. There's no substance to it. So again, his conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, the whole duty of man, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So as parents or grandparents, how do you help your children not to love the things of the world? Not to build their lives upon those things? And some of the questions to ask yourself is, what do my children see me pursuing in this life? Do they see your love and devotion to Christ? Do they see your commitment to being in the word, and not only being in the word, but being a doer of the word. And for those of you that aren't parents or grandparents, this, these are the questions to ask yourself in the event the Lord does bless you with children or grandchildren. What kind of impression do I want to leave on them? Do they see the scripture as being the sole authority for your life, or do they see hypocrisy? The attitude of do what I say not what I do. Unfortunately, in the years of counseling, we've had teens come to us and tell us that my parents are hypocrites because they tell us to do X, Y, and Z from the word, but they don't do it. And we've heard that a lot, a lot. What example are you setting before your children or grandchildren? A parent's most important task in life is to reveal the greatness of God to their children. How wonderful he is. How wonderful Jesus is. If you turn to Psalm 145, I just want to read the psalm from verses 1 through... Well, you know what? Maybe I'll have you all, those that have your Bible, 
read Psalm 135, maybe one verse apiece, and we'll go to verse 13, okay? So we're reading from verse 1 to verse 13, and then we're going to break it down. So I see you all turning there. For those that are listening online, we're trying to find where Psalm 145 is. And hopefully you will be able to hear them reading it. If not, you can grab your Bible for those listening online and just read through it. So we'll start with Cindy. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Praise the Lord is highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make oh, to make known to the sons of men thy mighty acts and the glory of majesty of thy kingdom. So when we look at verses 1 through 3, it says, I will extol you, my God, okay, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4 says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Why do you think this is important? That one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I thought it was cool that Shine read that when she has that next generation on her left. That was pretty cool how she had that verse there. But why do you think it's so important? Think of the book of Judges. What happened after Joshua died? 
They turned away from the Lord, that generation. Another generation, it says, rose up after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which God had done for Israel. And if you look at our culture today, how they're trying to silence us, why do you think that's so? You know what will happen if there were like no witnesses of Christ here or no preaching of the gospel? How dark it will get? Because in the book of Judges, what we, what we know is every man did what is right in his own eyes. So it's so important to declare to that next generation the truth of who God is, how wonderful he is, that he's real. It's not just a storybook. This is his story. History. It's his story. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Creation. Everything is all about him. So are you praising and declaring God's mighty acts to your children or grandchildren? The psalmist encouraged us to do that, right? To that next generation to declare who he is to them. You could do this through scripture or maybe by way of personal testimony. You know how God has revealed yourself, himself to you in a real way or Jesus has revealed himself to you in a real way while the Holy Spirit has ministered to you in some way, you know, sharing that truth with them. You could also read different missionary stories, which I know some of the moms do do that with the children. It's wonderful because it really helps your children to see who God is in those stories, but then, too, that people were willing to give their life for the gospel. They were willing to lose their life for him because he's worth it and his word is worth it. So we are encouraged through this psalm to declare to your children and grandchildren, I had the grandchildren in there because I know some of you have grandchildren, the many miracles God performed then and he still performs today. Through transform lives. I think about the wonderful testimony you shared with me not too long ago about what your son had said to you. You're changed, you're different. That's a testimony to that next generation. God's real. I know he's real. I see the change in your life. It's working. It's awesome. It's really awesome. So God does transform lives. He heals. Not only in the past, but in the present. I know Tracy, we prayed over her last week, right? And when I saw her Sunday, she's like, it's gone. That heaviness I had on me or just whatever I was, it's gone. It's totally gone. Praise the Lord. And you can see she's lighter. God heals us. He does bring healing. He provides for us too. How many times? We wonder, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to do this? And God provided for us. We need to share that with the next generation. We need to let them know he's real. He's alive. He sees. He knows. Think about the battles you face in your faith, right? I mean, I face battles in my faith all the time. How much more will your children face the same battles, especially in the culture they live in? Because again, what's the world saying? Hath God really said? We saw that. But still today, hath God really said? Nah, you can't really trust his word. He doesn't mean what he said. Nah, you can't put your faith in him. He goes, listen to this. You really believe in God? That's what the world is saying. 
They mock, they scoff. But we know he's real. And we need to share that with our kids, with the next generation. How many times in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had to be reminded of who God is and the mighty acts he performed in each generation, right? We see that over and over. Constantly being reminded of who God is, what he did for them in Egypt, how he brought them through, you know, how they crossed over the Red Sea, how they crossed over the Jordan, how he fed them manna from heaven, water from a rock. It's amazing. Each generation that was passed down. You see that in the word of God, they were letting every generation know about who God is. These things really did happen. It's not just a story, it's reality. It's reality. So they need to be reminded of who God is and his mighty acts. And just like we need to be reminded, we need to remind them, God's going to provide, don't worry. And maybe telling them, let's see how God's going to do this. With anticipation, wait, how's God going to answer our prayers? You know, maybe writing down what that was, the need was, and writing down how God answered it. And maybe leaving that notebook for them as an inheritance to them. You know, to pass it down to them. I have journals. I write a lot of journals over the years. And I always tell my niece, maybe my niece, not my nephews, but I'll tell them when I die, I want you guys all to have this. Because I want you to read through it. See how faithful God is. Yeah. Yeah. See how faithful he is. Or if I wind up losing my mind and I sit on my porch or my swing, I want you to read it to me. <laughs> One or the other. They laugh at me. They're like, yeah, Rose, you're funny. So, but really, we can do this. You know, we can do this with our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews. Psalm 145, verse 5, we read it. I will meditate. This is a way of meditating on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous, wondrous works. And we have to be intentional to do this, right? Because we tend to meditate on 50 million other things throughout the day and we forget God, right? Our mind is just like, I got to do this, I got to do that. What about this? What about that? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But we have to be intentional with meditating on his glorious splendor of his majesty because when we do that, then you realize, what am I worried about? What am I worried about? Do you know who my God is? Do you know who my Savior is? Why am I worrying about these things? He's greater than all the stuff that I'm worrying about, or I'm anxious about. You know, I wonder if Adam and Eve did this with their children, with their grandchildren. Remember, they knew what it was like before the fall. And they knew what it was like to sin against God and being cast out of his presence. You would think they would share that with everyone they came in touch with, right? Follow God, keep his commands. Because it's not going to be good if you don't. They were witnesses of that. We totally blew it. We totally blew it. But you don't have to follow us. Follow God. Follow his pathway. It's so much better. So we have to look for different ways 
that we can meditate on the glorious things that God does. I think about some of the songs we sang tonight. It was just like, man, Lord, you're so amazing. I thought about that last one because I remember when I first got saved, we would sing that song. When I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, how he saved me, raised me, filled me, healed me. The Holy Ghost, when I think, I just want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Where would I be today if you didn't intervene in my life, right? Man, our kids need to see that. That testimony. They need to see it, to know it's real, because whatever the future holds for them, they have to know that God is there for them if they turn and cry out to him. He will be there for them, just like he was there for us. Just like he was there for us. So another thing you could do is maybe a gratitude list on God's character. Lord, I thank you. You're patient with me. You're long-suffering. You're merciful. You have compassion. You're kind. You're a good disciplinary father. But you love me at the same time. I mean, a gratitude list on who Jesus is. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you invite me to come to your throne of grace in my time of need and have mercy and grace there for me. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I do a gratitude list on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you opened up the scriptures to me. You speak to me in services. I hear. I hear you. You draw my heart. You draw me. So you can use the Old Testament or the New Testament to do this. And again, why is this important for their next generation? We want to teach them how to do these same things that we do because they're going to be worried, anxious, fearful in their lives. And we want to teach them how to meditate on God, how to go after him in those times. And I know, Sarah, you do that. I remember you shared with me one night, Justice, I think, was having a hard time sleeping. He was fearful, and you gave him scripture right away to meditate on. That's a good thing to do. That's a good thing. So be creative. I know you women are all creative in this group. Think of ways. How can I get my children or grandchildren's focus on the Lord when they're having their own struggles inside? with different things. Or even feeling hopeless, like there's no hope in this world. Well, we just pass it through, right? There is a shaking coming, but Jesus is coming too. He's coming too. So we wanna anchor our children in the absolute truth of God's word which again is being greatly challenged by this culture we're living in, in all areas of life. I mean, everywhere. Biblical sexuality, marriage, I mean, male uh, headship, everything is being challenged in these days that we're living in. Psalm 145, verse six and seven says, men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your greatness and shall sing of your righteousness. And I want to say here, teach your children how to become a lover and worshiper of God by your example. You know, when you come to service, even at home, but when you come to service especially, you know, and they, they're with you and they see you worshiping this God that you love. I remember before my parents got saved, 
Once in a while, they would come to the church with us when we were in New York, and then when we moved here, when they came to visit Pure Life, and I said, I'm gonna worship God with everything in me hard because they're here. So they see what it's like to praise him and worship him. And I would, I would do that. It's kind of opposite. You know, we're talking about uh, kids, but I, my parents weren't saved. But I wanted them to see what it means to worship God, to love on him. And it was such a blessing because when they finally came to the Lord, they came for a visit one day, and I'm standing in the back of my mom and dad, and I'm listening to my mom worship the Lord right by me. And I'm like, this is so awesome. It's so awesome. So be an example. Be an example to them. Teach them how to be a lover, how to be a worshiper of God. You can do this with the Psalms, because Psalms are songs of praise. So you can sing Psalms. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will see that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So when you come to church, you can have them look for the beauty of the Lord in the worship times, maybe the testimonies that are being shared, the messages, or even prayer, answered prayer. Have them like do a little assignment where they can write it down. What did you get out of service tonight? What did you see about God in the worship songs? What did you see about God in the word? What did you see about God in that prayer that was answered? What did you see about him? And they can start keeping their own little journal, writing these things down. So then as they get older, they have that to review and say, yeah, God, I, I have experienced you in the worship times. I have experienced you in church. I know you are real. I don't care what the culture's saying out there. I know, I've seen, you are alive forevermore. So also look for opportunities to testify when you're in a worship service of God's awesome deeds during the week. You know, this, this church is open for you to do that as ladies. It's not just the men. You're allowed to testify of God's goodness during the week. And I always wonder, how come it's always the men? Come on, ladies, you got something to say. <laughs> I know you got something to say, because when I talk to you one-on-one, you got something to say <laughs> about these things. So, But if you do it, then the kids see and they're like, wow, God's real to mommy. God's real to grandma. He is real. God has called us to declare his greatness among the congregation. We see that in the psalm. So that your children, your daughters and sons will learn how to testify to their generation about God to others. And again, I thought it was so cool that Shine read that verse and she had the next generation sit in her lap. You know, and you're always looking at that next generation, that next generation passing down to them, passing down to them. And what are we passing down to them? Verse 8 and 9, really through 13. We're passing down to them the reality that the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are truly over all his works. And all his works do praise him. And his saints, us, 
we choose to bless him. And we will speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom because his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures throughout all generation. Do you think people need to know that in this day that we're living in? Reality is kingdoms rise and fall. I've shared this with you all before. When we went to Israel, we saw that. All of man's empires that they built from themselves were all lying in ruin. On top of ruin, on top of ruin, on top of ruin. And you really see the reality of what this psalm says, that kingdoms do rise and fall, but not his kingdom. God's kingdom is forever. The only kingdom that will last forever and ever. So we want to teach our children and grandchildren how to live now for that kingdom, not the kingdom of men, which is perishing. See, Lamech's children were living for the kingdom of men, acquiring all the kingdoms of this world was one of Satan's temptations to Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down and worship me. It's interesting to me that Socrates in 425 BC said this, our youth now loves luxuries. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders, and they love to chatter instead of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up their food, and tyrannize their teachers. 425 BC, that was written. Has that changed any in our generation? <laughs> it's amazing, right? But you know, reality is, even though we see these things still, God has given you these children, their gifts to you from the Lord. And you need to look at, okay, what do I want to deposit into their lives while I have them? The world's wisdom of how to be successful or how to be a lover and worshiper of God and of people. See, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My parents were very successful in the world's eyes, so that's what they passed on to us. And my brother's got a fantastic job. However, it's killing him health-wise. And I had a pretty good job in the corporate world, but God called me to walk away from it. But there was no deposit of God in my life. The deposit of God came from my grandmother. She got saved in her 60s, early 60s, when my grandparents retired, they went back to Puerto Rico, built their house because they wanted to go back. They were here in the United States the whole time from the 50s, I think they came in the 40s. And they had said when they retired, they were gonna go back, build a house, and just live out the rest of their lives there. Well, they went back, they built a house, but my grandfather had a terrible stroke. But my grandmother got saved through it. And she always shared Jesus with the grandkids. We would go there in the summer, spend the summers there. She'd always share Jesus with us. She loved him. She just loved him. 
and she took good care of my grandfather to the point that it cost her her life. She wound up dying of a heart attack because it was way too much for her. She literally laid down her life for my grandfather. But that's what she taught me, how to be a loving worshiper of God. Even though it was late in her life, I had that example. And I know I'm here because of her prayers. You know, so there's two pathways. Do I want to impart to the children to be successful in this world where everyone can look up to them? Or do I want to impart to them how to be a lover, a worshiper of God, and live for his kingdom? Because this world's passing away in the lust of it. But not God's kingdom. His kingdom endures forever. So God has called you to train up your children in the ways of the Lord, we see this in Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. It says, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. See, we see that again. Don't forget what your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And here we have it. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren. So you see in that portion of scripture, there's a tendency to forget. There's a tendency for these things to depart from your heart. But we have to be diligent and take heed to not forget these things, to pass them on to your next generation. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 9 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your heart and on your gates, meaning your whole life shall be saturated with God and his word. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now the men are in here. But it says to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So as you see here, as you personally study and follow God's word for your own life, then you'll gain the wisdom and direction that you need for your children to be able to live in the same way. You'll be able to provide biblical instruction to your children or grandchildren when they come to you and say, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with maybe fear or anxiety, or I'm struggling with making a major decision in my life, what should I do? Because you immerse yourself in the Word and in God, you'll have biblical wisdom to impart to them. And God says, we saw it, right, in uh, Genesis 1, His Word, when we study God's Word, it's powerful, it goes forth, it doesn't return void. It doesn't return void, and that's where you have to hold faith that what I am speaking into my child's life right now, my grandchild's life right now, will not return void in their lives. I'm going to skip to Colossians 2, verse 2 through 6. says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. So again, we're seeing that two pathways. Which way do I want to go and what do I want to impart 
to that next generation that God has entrusted me with. So this is what we learned from Lamech's, Lamech's life and his children. And it all came from that Matthew Henry quote, which I'll read it again just to close out because this is a very powerful quote, or I should say commentary on that. Worldly things are the only things that carnal, wicked people set their hearts upon and are most clever and industrious about. So it was with this race of Cain. Here was a father of shepherds and a father of musicians, but not a father of faithful. Here is one to teach about brass and iron, but none to teach the good knowledge of the Lord. Here are devices how to be rich and how to be mighty and how to be merry, but nothing of God of his fear and service. Lord, I do thank you tonight, Jesus, for your word, Lord, and just how you led this entire lesson, Lord, for this body of women here and those that will listen online regarding their children and grandchildren what kind of legacy they want to leave to them, Lord. I pray that you would take this word that was spoken and just mix it with faith in their hearts and just give them the grace to be able to be that example, especially in these days that we're living in where there's so much confusion and just so much um, just uncertainties about has God really said in our world, and it's even crept into the church. I pray that these women would be rooted and grounded in the word of God and in your spirit, and they would stand firm that, yes, God has said what he has said on whatever issue or topic they have to address in their children's lives or grandchildren's lives, Lord. I pray that as we have this discussion time, that you would just be in our midst and just continue to bless each one with more of you, the reality of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.